Well, God bless you. It's good to see you this morning. I want to thank uh, pastors, uh, for Pastor Jerry and Pastor Nick and Pastor Jeremy, how they helped out with Father's Day last week. Uh, it was a little different what we, when we, what we normally do. It was fun. And I hope all you dads got your dad's root beer or we had cream soda out there too. So uh, that was fun. And uh, I, I'm excited about this, this morning service. I've been praying about this for weeks and just thinking about what God will want to do. And I, I called this sermon today Soul Triage. Anybody familiar with triage, what that means? If you need triage, it's not a good situation. Basically, what triage is, is, is how a medical professional would assess someone's condition. So maybe you roll up on an accident, or maybe, maybe it's, God forbid, in war, or, or something like that. They come up, and they have to decide, okay, who's the most serious? What do we do with this? Uh, how, do we, how do we take care of these person's needs? And you, and you try to fix the, the most serious first, and then work your way down. For a lot of us... I've found that we kind of need a certain sort of triage, even in our own lives. For some of us, what we need is an emotional triage. And maybe, maybe for you, you're thinking, well, I don't know if I need that. But then other people around you might be saying, oh, actually, you do. Because a lot of times, it's other people who notice our need before we do. It's, it's almost like we're doing constantly triage with each other. Maybe for some of you, it's a spiritual triage to find out where you're at with God. Where, where is your relationship with him? How close, how open are you to him right now? For some of you, maybe it's a relational triage. So let me just ask this, and I'm not asking for a show of hands. And you can if you want, but I'm not asking for that. This is more of a rhetorical question. How many of you feel like you're in need of help this morning in one of those areas? Maybe it's something that's just private and nobody even knows, but you're hurting. And there's something going on deep within you and you're hurting, you're in pain. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. We've had quite a few people lose loved ones lately. I think about even going back over, um, over the pandemic and how we lost five different people in our church. Five different people lost family members and they couldn't even celebrate their lives the way they intended and wanted to. Maybe for you, it's a loss of a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage that's, that's been lost or maybe there's just a distance in the relationship and you don't know why and you, you're not sure how to fix it. Maybe there's more arguing or, or just heightened emotions Maybe it's that the goals have changed or people have changed. You know, people change. Maybe it's the loss of a dream. Maybe it's you're headed toward retirement. It's not what you thought it would be. Maybe for you, it's the home you have isn't what you thought you would have or the future doesn't look bright. For you, maybe it was a relationship that you thought you wanted and it's not happening the way you thought it would be. Anybody ever have your parents, maybe you kids, maybe you've had this happen where your mom said there's more fish in the sea. But his mom never told him that. I remember the first time my mom said that, like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about fish here, you know. And then it was funny because I remember she said, well, there's plenty of girls who like you. And like, but not the one I want to like me. Remember that? Do you remember what that felt like? Maybe you're in a situation like that and the pain is deep. Maybe for you it's job issues and maybe you're struggling with something with your boss or maybe a coworker, or maybe it's not the job you wanted or maybe the job has changed and it's no longer meeting the needs or it's not, a, it's not fulfilling in a way that you have wanted it to be. Maybe you feel like your job just drains your life. I know on the internet I see these memes all the time and I, and I know we're trying to make fun and have fun but at the same time I'm looking at it and I'm thinking how sad because I know there's people hurting because of that. Maybe bills are piling up and you don't know what to do. Maybe for you it's school issues. You're just not sure about the future. I saw, this, I saw a funny thing. It said something about, uh, it said this mom's asking kids what they want to be when they grow up because she's still looking for options herself. 
Ouch. Maybe it's just straight up friend issues and a friend has betrayed you and it hurts. You don't know what to do. Maybe your child is not following Christ and it breaks your heart because you know you raised them in a certain way or, or you desperately want them to know Jesus the way you do. And as you pray for them day in, day out, your heart just aches because they're not where they should be. Maybe for you, the whole political climate is just wearing on you. The cancel culture. You can't even have conversations anymore. And people don't want to talk or they're not going to be friends. Or you see memes that go across the internet and you think, oh, that thinking is so shallow. Do people really think that? Or have they just reposted it because it's just what they think? And so much division and hate and labeling and even violence. If I disagree with you, I'm going to dox you or intimidate you or... The racism, the people are accused of racism left and right. and Maybe for you, it's just the concern that you have for the direction of the, of the world and the, the country. And it's just wearing on you. It seems like that, that there's so much fatigue with that. It's just horrible. And Maybe it's the weight of the pandemic, pandemic itself and all the lockdowns. And I know we've been through that. And, but, but then on the news, you hear about threats of more. I just heard Australia shutting down again. And and, and different countries have gone through that and you think, oh, will that happen here again? And maybe your own health has been affected by it or someone you know. Or, or maybe it's just the fear and the anxiety that has come with it all. And, and we don't know who to trust. And you hear one thing one day and another thing another day. And that lack of, of confidence in what we hear creates a sense of anxiety. And maybe it's just the separation and the loneliness that has crept into our lives and I don't know, I, I think about the education deficiencies and I worry about that. I mean, some kids have not been to school actually in class for a year and a half and I just don't want them to be behind. I, I worry about that. And some of them are our least resources kids. Jobs that are gone, restaurants closed forever. And I don't know, it's, it's crazy. I think about all that. Maybe you're just sad. You don't know why. So much clinical depression out there and people a lot of times don't know what to call it or what it is. It's just they don't have the enthusiasm they had before and they can't focus on the normal tasks and they just feel overwhelmed with all of that. Maybe you... <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, I'm kind of joking, but I know the weather sometimes bothers people. I hear about it. It's too hot. It's too hot too long. Too much clouds. Too much humidity. Now it's too cold and too much rain. And I, I know we laugh about it, but what happens is it really does affect people. Maybe you're feeling distant from family or loved ones or, more importantly, God himself. And as you're walking through this, you wonder, where, where is he? Maybe you feel far away from him and that you've been praying about these things and yet the answers aren't there and you're wondering, God, where are you? Where are you right now? For most people, what we do is we, we medicate in different ways. You know, some people use food. And I, I have to look at myself and I think, well, I don't know if that counts for me because I, I eat when I'm sad, I eat when I'm happy, I eat to celebrate, I, eat, I don't know about you guys, but for other people, it's chemicals. For some people, it's just busyness. They just overload themselves with so many things that they don't have to think about the world or don't have to interact with the people that they're struggling with. And because of that, they're so busy that they never really deal with things. And so whatever it is that's looming is still looming. It's just they're ignoring it. It doesn't go away. For some people, they with, withdraw. They just exit. Or maybe you binge Netflix or <laughs> maybe only some will relate to this. I know evidently Netflix had been on in our living room for a while. No one is even in the living room. I, I go walking by and I look, look over and it said, 
are you still watching? I'm like, are you talking to me? Are you? And they're like, are you still watching? Say yes. I didn't say say yes, but, you know, and I felt compelled to punch yes, even though it was a TV. I was like, oh, my goodness. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Maybe you deal with it by gossip and you talk. Because it makes you feel better to talk about somebody who's, Maybe you feel better than. Maybe you get angry. And the anger, you're looking at it like, why am I so angry? Why, why am I talking like this? Why am I saying these things? I'm not, I'm not that angry, but you are. I mean, there's something deep inside that you can't quite put your finger on, but it's coming out. And maybe there's a sense of bitterness or you're just blaming. I've noticed this a lot. A lot of times we'll blame people who had nothing to do with what we're upset about. Here's something that's true. Everybody's in a struggle, coming out of a struggle, or about to go in one. It's really how life is. It is. But how does it happen? I mean, you, you find it sometimes that maybe the infrastructure, the things that used to hold you up and keep you together aren't there as good as they used to be. I don't know if anybody's following that building collapse in Florida, and there's all these things wondering, okay, well, is it built correctly? What, why couldn't it withstand? What happened there? And if you've been to Florida, I mean, they have tons of sinkholes from time to time, all these underwater, underground waterways or a broken pipe or something like that. And then you don't know, but the surface looks fine. And then all of a sudden, the whole thing collapses. Sometimes we're like that. And where we're collapsed and we don't know why, like, what, what has gone wrong here? What's happened? It's like the support system is faulty and we, we don't really know until it's under pressure. We need an honest assessment. But let me, let me just warn you, be careful who you talk to. Because you got to be careful that the person you're talking to really has your best interests and can actually do something about it and help you. you got to be careful what you talk about with certain people and when and how. And you got to be careful about why. I mean, if you're just going to complain or vent or if there's really a chance that the person can help you or if you're looking for validation, make sure it's the right place. Be careful where you talk about these things. Little ears are hearing and they make assessments and they hear more than you think sometimes the person you thought was going to be there the person who you really wanted to depend on and the person who you thought would have your back are not there and that alone can put you into a spiral here maybe you've pushed them away be careful when you're vulnerable i heard this years ago and it's so true just be cautious. There's this term called HALT. I don't know if you've heard this, H-A-L-T. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, be careful. I think what I see a lot in our society right now, a lot of people are, I don't know about hungry, but they're angry, lonely, and tired. There's a fatigue that has set in. A lot of people turn and blame God. They look to him and they say, it should be different. I should... It, you're God, you're good, you're all-powerful, you should change all of this. We just sang a song that said, Jesus changes everything. And yet we go through life and we wonder, God, why aren't you fixing this? Where are you? How long do I have to pray for you to save my kid? How long do I have to pray for you to fix my marriage? How long do I have to pray for you to right this wrong, this injustice that I've endured? How long? 
And here's the thing. A lot of times as we push him away, we, we, we're pushing away the only one who can really help. The only one who can meet us at the point of our need. He's the only one who will never fail. People fail. People are people. We're people. You know us. We're, infall- we're fallible. We make mistakes. We don't come through when we should. We get, we get tired. and Maybe we're walking through things. And you see other people walking through things. And it's difficult. But he never fails. One of the most famous passages of scripture is the 23rd Psalm. The Good Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I know a lot of you are finishing it in your mind right now. What that means, I shall not want, is I will not have any needs. He will supply my needs. I won't be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he provides the exact provision that I need. For a sheep, they need the green pastures. He says, he leads me beside still waters. A place where you can actually drink. Where it's not just rushing by all the time. I think in our busyness and our, our desire to fix things ourselves, we, we go toward things which we think will satisfy, but they do not. And the God who created us knows what we really need, and he wants to lead us by pastures and calm waters, and we keep rushing around so we're not fed and we're not refreshed. He restores my soul. That's a refreshing That word restore could also be refresh. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I want you to notice though, he doesn't say he forces us in those paths. It doesn't say that no matter what, you're going to be put in those paths. He leads us, you have to follow. And a lot of times we're so caught up in what's going on and we're so upset about the world or our life or whatever is not right that we completely tune him out and we can't even follow him because we don't see where he's at. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Other versions would say the darkest valley. I don't want you to think that this doesn't apply to you because maybe you're not dealing with a death, life and death situation. It's talking about a dark place and maybe that's where you are. And even though I walk through that, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. More than anything else, that's what I want you to get out of today. He is with you. You you may not be aware, or you may not let him in, but he is there. He is with you. He's with you. No matter what you're walking through, he is with you. In the darkest place. In the darkest place. Listen to this. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. I've never been a shepherd. I don't know any shepherds. We've all seen pictures. I don't often think of a rod and staff as a comforting thing. But for the sheep, it was. It was a presence thing. It's a guiding thing. As sheep are wandering and walking, they might nudge them or push them or pull them out of a spot that they've got themselves into that was, that was dangerous or, or not for them. Do you ever think about God's guidance as being comforting? A lot of times we don't because we want to do our own thing. And so we think of his guidance as restricting us or not letting us have the fun we want or, or shoving us into some area. But that's not how it works. 
What it is, is that rod and the staff, they're comforting because it tells us that the God of the universe cares about our direction and what we're walking through, and he is directing us. He says, I will fear no evil, because you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's not the cause of what you're going through. He's the solution to what you're going through. He's the one who will comfort and guide you through whatever that is. This thought occurred to me. What if what I'm going through is my fault? He still is there for you. What if what what I'm going through is something somebody caused and they're not even around anymore to fix it? He's still there for you. What if this situation is impossible? He's still there. In the darkest hour. This, one of the people who moved in the prophetic, they shared this with me this week. Even in the darkest hour, God is raining. It was raining that day, a lot of rain. He sends his rain not to rain on your parade, but to nourish and give you life where you need it most. And as we were talking about it, we were talking about the fact that Some people complain about the rain because it's interrupting their plans. Or they complain about the rain because it's maybe they're worried it might damage their house. Or they complain about the rain because we've had enough. It's a lot of rain. And what we miss is that rain has a purpose far beyond a lot of times what we see. And that God's desire is to nourish you and bring you health in the middle of your pain. He's not the cause. But he can allow, and he, he will be there if you let him be there. Romans eight twenty eight, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And James, James writes, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Troubles, joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. We have a weird situation in our our house we bought. We we bought the house, and part of the reason we bought the house is it had all this undeveloped land behind it, and trees, and creek, and I thought, this is incredible. Literally, the day we closed, (laughs) they leveled it behind us. Now there's six streets behind us. And uh, what they did is they, they just plowed over the creek. I didn't know you could even do that. I thought legally. I mean, it's a creek, right? So, of course, the first time it rained real good, guess what happened? The creek was there. It just wasn't where it was. It wasn't as deep as it was, but it filled those people's yards behind us like 20 feet into their yards. So then they come in and they, they put a culvert, maybe a 24-inch culvert underneath, dug up everybody's backyard on that side, and guess what happens when it rains? It just creates this huge creek again. It's, it's funny and sad. So we thought, well, what are we going to do? The back, our, that, in our yard near the back fence, you know, not only, I mean, is it, we're just looking at everybody's houses, but we thought, what can we plant there that would love that kind of water? So we planted a willow tree. And it was beautiful. It was, and when we planted it, it was, it was tall. It was like eight feet tall already. But, but the trunk was like this big. That's it. So we planted it, and um, 
I was talking to somebody at the nursery and all that about it. And I said, so do I need to stake it all down? You know what he told me? He said, yeah, a little bit. But if you, if you stake it down too much, it won't grow strong. I said, I said what? <laughs> I was kind of confused. He said, well, yeah, the tree has to learn to grow and, and not learn. It doesn't learn. But it won't grow properly if, if it's completely protected from all the wind and all the movement. It needs to grow strong that way, and then it'll, it'll send out the roots and make it more solid. But, oh, that makes sense. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about God could use what you're walking through to actually grow you into what he's designed for you to be? That, that maybe you could be the person that would help someone through the next, or that maybe something's going to be happening in your life where you need the strength that he's growing into you now. I don't know, you, I think we all would rather just have it easy. But here's the bottom line. You can choose to embrace him or turn him away. He gives you that choice. And as someone, as a God who loves you and cares about you, I just want to encourage you to choose to go to him. Choose to go to him in these times. He cares. He knows. He loves. He has plans to build you through this. Think about the Trinity here. We're talking about God the Father. He loves, cares. He's going to build you. Think about the Holy Spirit. What, what is one of his actual literal titles? Is the Comforter. Did you ever think about leaning into him for comfort? Think about the fact that he, you, you pray in him. You pray through the Spirit. Jesus is our intercessor. He knows your heart. He knows what you need. He gives us that forgiveness. He, he builds us into that. So what do you do? Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. If you are, are you one of, the, one of the ones that this is for today? If you're watching online, if you're here in the building, and you are walking through something, and you're in a struggle, I want to challenge you to do something that may seem opposite of everything else. I'm going to start with this. I'm going to challenge you to do, to sacrifice praise. I know we've, we've heard that, a sacrifice of praise, but maybe you don't know where that saying comes from. Maybe you came into this room today, or maybe you're watching online, and as, as we were leading worship and you were experiencing those words and those songs, you were thinking, I can't sing that with my full voice or heart because I don't really feel it right now. Maybe there's times where you can't even sing at all, and you can't even express that praise. That's when it's sacrifice. That's probably when you need to do it the most. It's easy to praise Him when everything's wonderful. It's easy to praise God when things are perfect or exactly how you think they should be. It's way more difficult to praise him in the storm, to praise him when things are not going great. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Do you see what was there? sacrifice of praise, and then do good. Maybe take your mind off of you and serve others. In Psalm chapter 50, verse 23, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, always be joyful. The thing about joy is joy is not determined by circumstances. That's happiness. Joy is something that God can give you in the midst of incredible turmoil. 
He says in the next verse, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. And this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. How do you do it? How do you do that? How do you, how do you praise in the middle of like those kind of problems or when everything seems wrong? How do you praise then? How do you do it? Sometimes... I, I wouldn't expect anybody to fake it and just jump around and act like everything's right when it's not. Sometimes you need to turn off the other voices. You know, I was thinking about, um, uh, let's see, I, um, what's that song, Sung Blue? Does anybody remember that song? Song, Sung Blue. Everybody knows one. Why does everybody know one? It's a common human experience, emotion, right? We all know them because we've been sad. How many of you, I remember in college, I had this roommate and he got dumped by his girlfriend. And um, so I come in, the lights are all off. And he's listening to all these sad songs. Like, what are you doing? He goes, just, I don't know, just leave me alone. You know, I'm like, okay. And he goes, and I come back a couple hours later, still doing it. You know, like, dude, really? He goes, it just makes me feel better. Just, you know, other people are sad. I get that. I totally do. I was thinking, Elton John wrote a song like that too, right? Sad song, Say So Much. Have you ever listened to the words of that song? I actually thought you should hear this, or see it, or listen. I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) But listen to how sad this is. If someone else is suffering enough, oh, to write it down, when every single word makes sense, then it's easier to have those songs around the kick inside is in the line that finally gets to you and it feels so good to hurt so bad and suffer just enough to sing the blues. So turn them on, turn them on, turn on those sad songs. When all hope is gone, why don't you tune in and turn them on? They reach into your room, just feel their gentle touch. Really? Are you kidding me? I don't know about you, that's not healing. That's not what God wants for us. I'm not saying to just be Pollyannish and ignore everything that's wrong. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying to you that true healing means sometimes you turn off sad things, sad voices, and turn on Jesus. Sometimes you've got to choose what's coming into your heart and mind. And there's people who, who will want to be sad with you, and that's maybe not the best influence. And I'm not saying you want to be around somebody that's like, joy, joy, happy, joy, joy either but i am saying this sometimes it means changing what's going into your heart and mind it might mean just you know turn it on caleb or if you use spotify and use you choose what goes into your heart and mind you choose i also think it means this that when when the scripture talks about a sacrifice of praise we actually use our voice and choose to praise when we don't feel like it and it's a sacrifice. And rather than just focusing on what's wrong, focus on him who is the only one who can make things right. That verse that we read out of Romans, in context, has some really beautiful things to say. We read Romans 8.28. I want to take us back to Romans 8.26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. 
For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I think there are times when you not only do not know what to pray, you don't have the words to say. And it's those times when you're praying in the Spirit or just groaning in the Spirit, and He speaks through you and knows. Then it says, And we know that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. I'd like the worship team to join me up here. Prayer when you're going through hardship is hard. This is going to sound harsh, but you need to do it anyway. Prayer when you feel like things aren't changing is hard. You need to do it anyway. Prayer when you don't know what to pray for is hard, but you need to do it then more than any other time. That's the time where you need to open up your heart and let Him work in you. Pray for you. Sometimes it's us that needs to change. Pray for change. Pray for the situation. Pray for what is happening. What did, what did Jesus do when he was going through the most difficult moments of his life? It's hard sometimes to even imagine what was going through Christ's mind. I was talking with somebody this week and they were asking questions about the Trinity and Jesus' divinity and if he was all God. When, when, you know, how did he do all that? And they were talking about, they, they were kind of saying in Maybe saying that it was maybe easier for him. I don't think so. I think it's the opposite. Think about this. You've got all the power in the universe to save yourself from all this human suffering, but you're going to choose to do it for the people who need it, who can't do it for themselves. That's hard. The night of his betrayal, he knows he's going to be betrayed. He's celebrating the Last Supper with his disciples, his followers, the ones who are closest the ones who should have his back. The night of his arrest and the mock trials that are going to happen. The night where all the, the punishment and the beatings and then ultimately the next day the crucifixion is going to happen. What does he choose to do? Then accompanied by his disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give into temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Then he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to his disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you'll not be given into temptation. I want you to notice a few things. He chose in this moment, knowing what he was going to face, to pray. He also chose to take people with him. He didn't want to be alone in that prayer. He knew he needed the support of people who would be with him. He took, took his closest with him. Notice also, it was something he did regularly. It said, as usual, he went to pray. Then he also prayed. He prayed what he needed to have happen, and then he said, God, whatever you want, though. So what should you do? If you're walking through something right now, and let me say this, I, I didn't prepare this with anyone in mind. But if you're walking through something, what you need to do is what he did. Keep seeking God. 
Do not push him away. Instead, reach out to him in your time of need. Commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. Uh, we, we have these Wednesday classes at 7, but at 6 o'clock we'll be praying in here. If you want to come and join us in prayer, you're welcome to pray. Find people to pray with you. Your church, a close friend, someone. Immerse yourself in the Word. As a church, we've been doing this reading plan together. And if, 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 you're, if you're following along in the YouVersion Bible app, I've got the link in there. If you want the link to join us in that, in that Bible reading time, just email me. That's easy to do, and I can connect you. Connect with other people. We do this life together as Christians. There may be something you're going through, and you may think, well, Pastor Dennis, I don't feel comfortable explaining everything. You don't have to. We can pray for you without knowing every detail. I want to challenge you to do this too. If, if, if somebody is really walking through a difficult time, I really felt compelled to do this. I, I'm going to fast this week for, for different things, but if you are something you wanted to share with me or if you want to join me in fasting this week, if there's something that you feel like, God, I really need some, I need to, be, I need to figure this out. I need some close, maybe you need clarity on a decision. Maybe there's something that you've been praying for and you really need some type of breakthrough. Maybe it's for somebody else that you are walking with and you know that there's something going on and you want to join me in that, that'd be great. If you just want to share with me a prayer need, you can do that. You can always email the church any prayer needs you have, prayer at crownpointchurch.com. It's very simple. You can do that from anywhere. We're going to pray right now. As the worship team leads us in a song, I'm going to invite, um, let's do this. Let's all stand together. If you would like prayer for anything, maybe you're walking through something. Again, we don't need every detail, but maybe you want to share it and we can pray with you. It could be something physical, something spiritual, emotional, a friend. But those of you who are prepared to help us pray, if you'd come down, if you're part of the prayer team or staff board, spouses, we want to pray with you. In these closing moments of the service, if you're watching online and there's something you want to share with us that we, you want prayer for, let us know. We will pray with you. It doesn't even have to be right now. You can email anytime, but we will pray. Why well, don't invite you? If you want prayer right now, just come forward for prayers. The worship team leads us. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. In wonder and surrender, we fall down. Show Show us your glory.
things that we carry that you want to take from us. We ask, oh Lord God, that you would take them, that you would, you would take care of these situations. I pray for us as we lean into you, Lord God, that as we, I pray as every one of us, as we spend time in your word, as we spend time in prayer, that you would make it come alive in ways that we had never seen before, that you would speak to us through all those things. Father, we trust you for these things. We lay them at your feet. We give you the praise for the answers. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you head out today. I hope and I pray that you enjoy each other's company. Greet each other in the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.